0: Back to
1: throw, Fitzpatrick, throwing high into the air, Parker, touchdown! What a win for this Miami Dolphin team, wow!
2: What is up Dolph fans and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. What's going on, everybody? Good to see you on this special Saturday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. My name is Travis Wingfield here, as always, to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have another slate of coaches' media availabilities. We're going to hear from the defensive and special teams coaches here on this Saturday, August the 15th edition of the Drive Time Podcast.
1: That's another Miami Dolphins
2: and next week on Monday, we have practices available to the South Florida media. So we have that to look forward to football season right around the corner here and to help get us primed like we did last Saturday with the offensive coaches. We're going to hear from the Dolphins defensive coaches, as well as Danny Crossman, special teams coordinator. But real quick before we do that, wanted to make a quick point here about three guys that have been picked up for other NFL teams or that had a workout with another NFL team after spending time with the Miami Dolphins. We talked about this last year, how nobody on the roster at training camp that was released or let go without being traded was picked up by another club. Same thing was kind of true in free agency as not many of the Dolphins' Players that walked in free agency found new homes. Well, the Dolphins have said goodbye to three players that have found new homes now Ryan Lewis with Washington earlier this month. Then we had Steven Parker released. He has been picked up by the Minnesota Vikings. And Cordray Tankersley, who was released last week, has also had a workout with the Indianapolis Colts. So it just speaks to the overall talent evaluation of this team around the rest of the NFL and how the overall talent on the roster has gotten better by virtue of other teams finding value in players the Dolphins cut. All right, let's go ahead now and get to coaches' availability. We heard from six of them on Saturday, and we start here with Dolphins defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who was asked what the Dolphins saw in guys like Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba and their free agents' acquisitions, and how he feels they fit in to the Miami Dolphins football team.
3: I, I think in the offseason, I, I think our goal was to add as many good players to the defense as we possibly could. Uh, I think, as all, with all defenses, each year you start over and you try to, uh, you know, whether it's a coach's influence um, or whether it's a player influence, the defense will kind of evolve. I think you're always trying to uh, build as much competition as you possibly can. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, obviously uh, Chris and uh, Flo did a good job of acquiring as many good players as we possibly could.
2: I like that last line there about acquiring as many good players as you possibly can, because we talk about this on this podcast before the market opportunities to go out and improve the roster, whether it's the top player, number one, all the way down to 53 or 55, what it is now, the dolphins just want to get as many good players on the roster, as many positions as they can. And that's what Josh Boyer talked about there here. Coach just asked about how he will influence the defense and the mark he will make stylistically on this dolphins defense. You
3: know, I mean, I obviously, uh, I would, I would say uh, coach Flores and I've worked together for a long time. Uh, We, we have many conversations over the years. Um, I would say it's not really a, you know, Flores defense. It's not a Boyer defense. It would be kind of a Miami 2020 defense. And again, uh, you know, coach Flores will have influence on it. I'll have influence on it. Our assistant coaches will have influence on it. And importantly, our players will have influence on it. So, And again, I think, you know, there's core fundamentals that we believe in uh, that we'll implement, but uh, the defense itself will evolve over time.
2: A couple of interesting notes there about how it will evolve over time. Obviously, that plays in line with the adapting to your opponent and being flexible on a week to week basis, being a new scheme, a new team every single week. But also that they're not going to be beholden to any one specific defensive style or defensive mind in the room, a collaboration between he and Brian Flores and the assistant coaches on the staff here. And that's the beauty of the multiplicity and the flexibility of the defense is if you have a team, an offense that you're facing that requires one certain front or one certain coverage or one certain look, and the next week you need to do something completely different, you have the personnel and the skill set to make that happen, both within the coaching staff to make those adjustments, but also the personnel on the football field and guys that are multiple in their skill sets that can execute different schemes and do different things, guys that can play corner and safety, for instance, which you'll hear about more on this podcast. As we talk about linebackers that come down on the ball or play off the ball or guys that do play cornerback and safety, defensive linemen that can play inside, outside, you have that flexibility ingrained within the program that creates flexibility on Sundays as Josh talks about there and Coach Flores talks about all the time as well. Another common thread in these pressers is asking about the shortened off season and how coaches are adjusting. Here's what coach Boyer and plenty of the other coaches will talk about too discusses the dolphins and their approach to trying to find ways to simulate in game situations. He talks about how there's no better place to do that than in practice.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, again, it's, it's very similar to the players. I mean, the closest thing that we can get to game simulation is practice. So uh, as a play caller and as a coaching staff, uh, we try to put ourselves in game situations as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, over the course of the years that uh, things have come up, um, you just try to practice. And then once you get to a game, you you feel pretty comfortable of uh, what your thought process is. I think the players need to feel comfortable with what the thought process is. We work very hard on, our players one understanding the situation because every play in and of itself is a situation. Is it, is it a drive, start play? Is it a second long? Is it second and short, third and short, third and medium? Uh, are we in two minute? Is it in the red area? Is it in the fringe? Every play in in itself is a situation. And what we, we try to strive to do for our players is they understand what's getting called. Okay. So again, once they have an understanding what the offense is in, what we're in, okay, it eliminates variables, which decreases, uh, call it anxiety, and allows them to play at a little bit faster pace. So um, that's the ultimate goal. And I think in practice, you know, we kind of work towards that way. And so that the coaches and the players, we're all on kind of the same page. know and understand what's coming. There's not a lot of surprises. It's not like, oh, damn, he called this or, you know. Are, are we going to be in this defense on this? There shouldn't be a lot of surprises. That's the goal.
2: A lot of mentions there of situational football, something we're going to hear a lot about from those coaching staff and talking about putting guys in uncomfortable positions so that when you come to game day on Sunday, it does become comfortable. We heard Byron Jones talk about that earlier in the week, and you hear Josh Boyer there refer to situations in practice and putting guys in those spots. And I think that's something that can be kind of forgotten from like fans, for instance, when you look at practices and what actually occurs on the practice field. Those are opportunities for improvement and growth. And the only way you get improvement and growth is to stretch your comfortability, right? To stretch the limits of what you think you're capable of doing. And that might mean for a defensive back being more aggressive out of the backpedal or for a quarterback trying to fit a tight window in a third and 12 situation in two minute late in the game because we don't know the situation from the stands as the fans, as the media. The guys in the field know the situations, so they will always truly know what's best for the football team and to make those decisions accordingly. Up next, Coach was asked about his influences and what it means to him to be the defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins.
3: You know, I've really enjoyed the new role. Um, uh, it's, it's been good. It's been good with the interaction with the coaches. It's a different interaction with the players. Um, you know, one thing that I was really excited about, and in fact, it, it just so happened that, uh, Bill Arnsparter was uh, awarded the Dr. Z award, um, this year, which I think he's more than deserving. Um, I, you know, I, I, w- I read his book, uh, years ago and, um, you know, and, uh, reading his book. Okay. And then being in the NFL for as long as I have and just see some of the terminology that's in his book that still carries over to today, you know, it's a pretty amazing thing. So I would say being the defensive coordinator for the Miami dolphins and there's, there's a rich alumni history here. And, you know, knowing that the, the standard's pretty high with Bill Arnsberger, um, I, I consider it an honor and a privilege, um, you know, it might not personally have been something that I, I was looking to do, but I'm, I'm very honored to do it. Uh, I take my job very seriously. Uh, as far as being a defense, um, again, you know, we look at fundamentals. I mean, we need to be able to tackle. We need to be able to play with, you know, good effort. But I would say it goes back to a lot of things you hear Coach Flores say is, you know, look, we need to be a smart team. We need to be mentally and physically tough. And I think, you know, he, you know him and Chris did a great job trying to, uh, put the team together with guys that are fiercely competitive. And, you know, again, we get 16 shots at it and we'll see where we lie, you know uh, when it's all said and done, but uh, you know, I, as being a coordinator, I'm, I'm, I'm honored for that position. Um, kind of knowing where, where it's been here at the Miami dolphins. Um, you know, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Obviously, you know, I think it's awesome. For the Arnsparger family, that he was honored. And I think it's awesome for the Miami Dolphins. And I'm really privileged just to have this talk about having the same position that that guy had. You know, it, it's a pretty big
2: deal to me. I mean, how cool is that? I don't think anybody was expecting a little Dolphins history background there on Bill Arnsparger. Now, one of my favorite parts of this job that I've talked about on the podcast is how I've gotten to learn and know more about the Dolphins from the 70s and 80s and those eras because I know this team back to front for the last 20, 25 years, but being a 32-year-old, I don't necessarily have the first-hand knowledge of those teams, of those coaches, and you hear Josh Boyer right there going back into his history book and learning about Bill Arnsparger, who we had a special here on the Drive Time podcast talking about both His winning the Dr. Z Award had A.J. Dewey on the podcast talking about that. So that was really cool to hear him go into detail about how he was kind of the pioneer of Dolphins defensive coordinators. And for him to follow in that lineage, to follow in that path is really special to him. It's cool to hear that as Dolphins fans, I think, and as someone that works here in the building with the Miami Dolphins. Up next, Coach was asked about the different backgrounds and bringing all these new coaches onto the staff and kind of how they have meshed together. We talk about themes in this team and on this coaching staff a lot, right? Well, you're going to hear them talk about one of those themes, the ability to be a teacher as a football coach.
3: I think for everybody it's, it's a little bit different, uh, you know, uh, where you come from. I, I think the one thing that uh, it's consistent with all those guys is they're good teachers, um, they're good communicators, and they work hard. Um, and I would say the other thing that's important in coaching is they really, they the, they, they don't have egos. So, um, you know, it's amazing what you can get accomplished when nobody cares who gets the credit. Um, you know, and I, I think our head coach, coach Flores, I mean, he exemplifies that, you know, he, you know, he, he's a very humble individual uh, very hard worker. Um, and I think, you know, you got guys that are young, hungry, intelligent, hardworking um, that, give very little to who gets credit for what they just want to work hard and be successful as a, as a team and an organization, which is what we're all trying to do.
2: And we'll go back to a little bit more history behind Josh Boyer, his influences and coming up as a young football coach. He references being around football since he could walk, his father being a high school football coach. Here he is talking about his very first impression of football, watching film on the old highlight or on the old tape reels, rather, and how he was kind of immediately drawn to being a football coach.
3: Well, I think, you know, first of all, it's like, again, I've been around football since I could walk. Uh, so my, my father's a high school coach and he's still coaching. And, um, you know, so I guess when I was a little kid and they had the film projector on, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world when the players went backwards. So, uh, you know, that kind of sparked my interest there. Um, and I, I think, you know, no matter what, what your vocation is in life, I, I think, you know, you always are seeking knowledge and there's so many so many coaches that have done it, you know, for so many years. And there's always, you know, there's always good things you can take from everybody, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I think as much as you kind of open yourself up to, all right, you know, what was this guy doing here? What was this guy? I mean, there's a lot of good books out there and some of them and Bill, Bill arn's partners book is one of those is if you have a pretty good knowledge, you, you think it's a pretty good book. If you're a little bit novice in it, it could be a tough read, you know? So, which, I mean, there's other books that I like to read as well too. Some of them are tough reads for me too. Um, But uh, I would say the, the history of the game, you know, you you always hear like, Oh, this guy's innovative. This guy's innovative. Well, I mean, the the wildcat was really the single wing offense, you know, that people were running, I mean, before they had, you know, face masks. So um, I, I think it's, it's always interesting. I think there's things that you can pull from everything. Um, you know, uh, I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, anytime that, that like any of the old games are, are going on. And I mentioned Charlie Winter earlier. I believe he might be the only living coach from the greatest game ever played. Um, what, what they titled the greatest game ever played. Um, so, um, you know, and it's interesting to have conversations. I feel very fortunate to be a part of the NFL. And, um, I would say my paths have crossed with a lot of guys and there's a rich history here in Miami. Uh, there, there is, a, you know, and there's a lot of guys and a lot of alumni that come around and there's always things that relate to t- today's game. It's not a completely different game at the end of the day. I mean, there's still 11 guys out there and, um, you know, a lot of their experiences, um, and, and they've been great, uh, you know, so, um, I'm, I'm excited, uh, I'm excited with our past. I'm excited for our future, uh, you know, and uh, we're going to work hard. And Like I said, we get 16 shots at it. and We'll see what we are.
2: So there he goes, Dolphins defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. Up next, we had Dolphins linebackers coach Anthony Campanelli, and the first question posed to coach came from me, so I'll go ahead and roll that in its entirety. Hey, good morning, Coach. Uh, my question good is morning, about Jeff. the amount of players you guys have that can play both off the ball as well as come down on the line of scrimmage. And I was curious, how do you and Coach Clark kind of balance that time on the field or in meetings, whatever it is, with a player like Kyle Van Noy, who has so many snaps both on and off the ball in his past?
4: Yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, one of the awesome things about uh, coaching here is we all coach defense, you know? Um, so we all get an opportunity to, to coach all our guys. And um, I think it's uh it's a staff uh, full of guys who uh, love to coach fundamentals um, and love coaching with each other. So it's, it's something that um, as a group collectively, uh, I think we all from at, at every position, to be honest with you, we all um, kind of incorporate uh, our own philosophies and get the opportunity to coach all the guys. So it's been an awesome experience that way
2: and you know the theme is the same there among the coaches and players, guys that can do multiple things and kind of work as a collaboration, that's going to be what you get from the top down here, and it's kind of a challenge as a question asker in these interviews to get them to talk more kind of in-depth about that kind of stuff because that group think, that let's work together as this all is one individual unit, it's really there. It's apparent, and you can hear it in the coaches' speak, you hear it in the players' talk as well, and it all comes down from the top with Coach Brian Flores. Up next, Coach was asked about getting the job here in Miami, working under Brian Flores, and the chance to coach for an organization like the Miami Dolphins. And you'll hear this theme as well, the storied franchise that is the Miami Dolphins. Listen to Coach Campanelli talk about what it means to him with a little chuckle and a wry smile about coaching for the Miami Dolphins.
4: I mean, it it means the world to me. Uh, It's been a tremendous opportunity. Um, And then the opportunity to coach for Coach Flores uh, was something I was really, really excited about. Um, And, you know, it's a storied franchise, so the opportunity to come here uh, coach for him uh, coach at this place uh, and coach these players. Uh, it's, it's been a fantastic experience so far. Um, and it was something I was really, really looking forward to. I was really, really excited about it. And, and uh, I've loved every minute of it.
2: Now I couldn't get coach to talk about Kyle Van Noy, but the next question does get a little bit of insight behind new dolphins linebacker, Kyle Van Noy, and how coach Campanelli thinks he fits into the defense here in Miami.
4: Well, I, I think Kyle, um, you know, like you said, one of his uh, great abilities is he's got a lot of multiplicity to his game. Um, and I think, uh, him bringing that to our system, you know, and, uh, we're a system that I think coach Flores has done an incredible job and coach Porter's done an incredible job through their careers, uh, of playing to the strengths of all their players, you know, um, throughout their entire career. So he, uh, we're obviously really, really excited to have him here. Um, and I think he's going to, uh, going to be a great addition to our defense. And, and he's a great fit to what we do.
2: I mean, you hear it there at the end, a great fit to what we do. Obviously, would not pursue a player like that if he doesn't fit what you do. But you look at the, the pass rush numbers, for instance, of Van Noy with the Patriots under Brian Flores there in 2018. How Sam Egwavon and Jerome Baker here last year were near the top of the linebacker list in terms of pass rushing situations, finding different gaps to blitz, guys that can rush from different spots. You talk about all that with Kyle Van Noy, he certainly fits. And Coach Campanelli talks about it there. And up next, an interesting answer from coach and kind of alluding to the Dolphins having so many coaches that came from the college ranks as well as first-year players on the football field and how that might kind of help this Dolphins team with regards to no preseason because college players and college coaches, they're used to getting after it week one without any exhibition warm-up games.
4: Yeah, you know, I think for guys coming from college, it's its not much of a difference, you know, <laughs> so uh, that, that might be an, an advantage uh, for us, you know, a guy like myself as a coach, it's something that that's what you know. Getting ready, uh, getting the guys ready through training camp, um, and I think Coach Flores has, has done a great job of, uh, you know, managing everything up to this point and uh, really, really organizing it in a way that our guys can get better every day. Uh, and it's been meticulously done. So I think he's uh, done a fantastic job with that. Having been through some other situations like that, as a you know, like this as a college coach, um, I've been really, really impressed. Uh, with that. And I think, you know, through the summer, uh, like you said, this is, this is the same situation for everybody uh, in the league. And we just got to do a great job of, of coaching our guys every day. Everything's important. You know, every meeting's important. Every practice is important. Um, and I think our guys understand that. I know they do because they prepared that way. So uh, they've taken the, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a change. I'm sure for a lot of these guys as professional athletes with no preseason games, but uh, they've really, Stepped up to the challenge and, and have done a great job preparing.
2: And finally, coach was asked about his connection to Coach Flores and how that initial meeting and initial phone call came to be, where Flores eventually offered him the job to come down here and coach with the Miami Dolphins and their connection back with their the roots going back to Boston and Boston College.
4: I had I had uh, spent some time in Boston. Obviously, Coach Flores, I was at Boston College. Coach Flores was a Boston College graduate and uh, was coaching you know, in New England at the time uh, and, and knew a lot of people who knew him very well. And everybody spoke so highly of him, not just as a football coach, but as a person. Um, and for myself and my own family uh, to this point in the time I've spent here, uh, he's been phenomenal to us, you know, and uh, he's just a, a great person. Like in that regard, I mean, it, he, uh, he cares about people's family. Um, yeah, football is, is uh, what we do. You know, it's a, it's, all, it's a huge part of all of our lives. It's a huge part of our family's lives. Uh, but he understands that. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, he understands that uh, as a father, you know, and a husband, uh, that's, that's the most important job all of us have uh, in the world. And I think he does a great job of, of managing that with himself, with the staff, and with the players. You know, he never loses sight of that. So uh, that, I think, makes him uh, a special guy in that regard
2: and you'll hear a lot of these coaches talk about their feelings about coach Flores and what he means as a leader and as a person. Up next, we had Gerald Alexander, GA, the coach of the defensive backs, and he was asked first about the conversion of players going from cornerback to safety, and he relates to his experience in the NFL making a similar conversion in the defensive backfield.
5: Well, to me, it's a very familiar challenge because I personally went through that myself as a uh, as a corner in college. And transition into safety prior to my uh, career in the National Football League, so it's something that I'm familiar with, and so um, you know it's it's different. But those guys have definitely done the necessary things to kind of uh, transition to that role, and it's just continuing to have them improve throughout practice. You know, when you're not a when you're not a safety, you're not being that primary communicator as you are when you're in that position. So. These guys have been doing uh, a good job, and then we'll continue to develop their communication out there on the field so they can take command and be quarterbacks of their defense.
2: You hear him talk about the communication aspect of being the quarterback of the defense, and later we're going to hear him discuss how the safeties are the ones that really have to get guys lined up from that kind of not bird's eye view, but the furthest view back, right? The guys that play the furthest off the football and getting the defense aligned. Communication is going to be a big theme with coach Alexander on this particular interview. And of course, going forward, but now he was asked about what the dolphins saw in the rookies, Noah Igbenogany, first round draft pick and Brandon Jones, third round draft pick, a corner and safety respectively. What the dolphins saw in those two players that made them want to go ahead and pull the trigger and get them down here to Miami.
5: Well, you know, those guys had great athleticism coming in. They have great tools to, to be able to develop in our program Um, And not to mention just their athleticism, but just getting the chance to meet them throughout the process. You knew that they were guys that um, that had the football character that we were looking for um, in in our building. And so uh, we we haven't really had a chance to obviously see that uh, on display on the field. You know, we're just getting to start practice. But um, you can tell just by their football character and their makeup that uh, they're willing to be coachable and to improve on a day to day.
2: Up next, Coach was asked about his influences as a defensive coach, something we've talked about here on the podcast before, working under Jimmy Lake, as well as Chris Peterson there at UW, and the teaching aspect of being a football coach.
5: Uh, I think my my experience um, with with Jimmy Lake, who's the head coach at Washington now, um, and and Chris Peterson and his staff were monumental in my coaching career um, and really had me think about developing the – teaching aspect of being a coach and really being a a, a great presenter and and making sure that I take all the complexities of the game um, and make it simple for the guys to be able to comprehend and execute out there on the field and, um, and just trying to get better in that way and form. And and I think that, you know, some of the uh, experience that I've currently had here with this coaching staff is just continued to challenge me as a teacher And and developing these guys and getting those guys to understand what we're trying to get them to do
2: on defense. And with the young guys in this defensive backfield room and so many new additions to the DB's room, Coach was asked about getting those guys acclimated and how quickly rookies and young guys can get themselves onto the football field. There's so many
5: things that young guys have to learn, you know, and it's just learning really, um, you know, how to practice, how to be a professional, and not to mention all the things and the responsibilities and the communication um, that it takes, you know, to be able to feel uh comfortable and developing this defense and and it's really just going to take reps you know it's going to take you know uh, repetition and um you know being able to see different plays and experience different things at practice and and obviously as we start to intensify intensify the practice um they'll be able to make those full speed mistakes and learn from them and develop as they go and so it's just going to take you know a, a time and reps and being able to get those reps to to feel ready and, and continue to develop from there
2: and a very common theme among these coaches and the questions they received was how did you get in contact with coach flores to ultimately get the job really cool connection here on the dolphins coaching staff last year who knew coach Gerald alexander here's his answer on how he got this position with the miami dolphins
6: you know
5: i got a chance to meet uh coach flow and and really these guys really through Tyquan Underwood, who I played with in Jacksonville. Um, I was here uh, really locally with um, and visiting uh, Blake Baker, who I coached with at Arkansas state, who's a defensive coordinator at the university of Miami. Um, And while I was in town, I came and visited Tyquan and and got a chance to just meet some guys in the building. And then got an opportunity to be here and and really kind of shadow and training camp of last year. Um, during, a, during an internship, and um, you know, going back and, and taking some of that information to, to Cal, where uh, where, I, where I was coaching at the time, and it was valuable information. Just being here for a week, and I learned a lot from this coaching staff. Um, and you know, when the opportunity came, and um, you know, obviously, I was very excited and grateful for the opportunity, which I still am. And um, and now, you know, now that I'm here, I understand what my responsibility is to be able to lead the secondary and contribute to this team as much as as I can.
2: And I go back to Indianapolis at the scouting combine when I had a chance to ask Cal safety Ashton Davis about Coach Alexander. And he referenced that Coach was going out to do internships, to go learn different football schemes and different practices at different programs across the country, both in pro and the college level. And Davis talked about Alexander's willingness and desire to get better every day as a coach and not be stuck in his ways. thought that was a cool response there from Coach G.A., And I also love the response to this question that I had a chance to ask coach on Saturday morning. Hey, good morning, coach. Uh, You talked a little bit about the character of the two rookie defensive backs you guys drafted. And coach Flores talks a lot about communication as an important trait on his team with an emphasis on players that can communicate on this defense and in this defensive backfield. How much does that help you guys acclimate things quickly in this condensed offseason program?
5: Well, communication is a is is a must in our defense. I mean, all guys have to be on the same page, and especially at the safety position. You know, we have the depth of the defense, and we're responsible to really get everybody in line. And so it's very important that whether you're young or an older vet, that the communication is on point. And we know that big plays always run through the secondary, whether it be in the pass game or the run game. And the easiest way to give up uh, an a explosive play in the back end is lack of communication. And what I tell those guys is, lack of communication leads to disaster. And so we have to make sure that all of our communication is on point, um, regardless of the condensed off season and not, not a lot of reps in the offseason. Um, you know, through practice and walk through, we have to understand what certain terminology means and get everybody on the same page. You know, those guys are going to be the ones that are playing on Sunday. So it's not, it's not really important how much I know. It's just how important I know how much those guys know and they those their awareness out there on display on the field and understand what words to say, what communication to make to make sure everybody's on the
2: same page. Poor communication leads to disaster. That's my favorite quote of this entire coach's availability on this Saturday, and so very true in that defensive backfield, where he says that most of the big leaks you're going to get on defense come from communication in that area. So really insightful there from Coach Alexander. Up next, we had a chance to talk to new Dolphins outside linebackers coach, another guy coming up from college, Austin Clark, and we'll kick it off with my question for Coach Austin Clark. Hey, good morning, Coach. Kind of want to go on that same topic there about the guys in your position group, and I'm curious if it's a challenge for you to find reps for all the guys that have a lot of snaps and production on their resume. If it's a challenge to find reps for those guys, and if the multiple nature of the defense kind of helps you carve out roles for everybody.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, here, Co- Coach Flo and Josh, have a saying your role is what you make it, and I think that applies to all the guys. I think we've only had a couple days so far; we haven't even had a padded practice, so that's a little tough for me to say right now, but I think everybody's doing a hell of a job so far.
2: And maybe jumping the gun there a little bit on those questions, asking about roles in the defense, as he talked about there, they haven't even been on the field for a padded practice. But next we had a good question asking him about his first impressions of coach Flores. And here's Clark talking about looking up coach Flores for the first time after he initially made that phone call.
1: Hardworking guy knowing, you know, when I came down here to meet with him, I, I looked him up and researched him and, um, saw his path through coaching and um, that immediately to me was like, Hey, this is someone I want to work under and learn from um, just how he came up in the grind and where he's come from, his story, um, all the obstacles he's gone through. And then on a first impression basis, I, w- I would just say as a teacher, you know, to me, coaching is teaching. Um, and there's an element of how he interacts with players um and coaches and uh you know he's got a mission we you know he's a tough guy and we want tough people uh that are smart and love to play and are, are physical and, and that's what uh impressed me about him and I'm really really excited to work for him.
2: And just as he evaluated the head coach and Brian Flores, here he is talking about defensive coordinator Josh Boyer.
1: You know, I would say uh tactical, you know, I think Josh ha- it has uh a philosophy of what he believes in that I think aligns directly with our head coach. Um, those guys have been working together for so long. Um, I would say he he knows what he wants, and he's going to demand that out of his players and uh, us as coaches to do it, and uh, that's the environment I, I want to live around, and uh, it's been great so far, and I'm really, really excited.
2: And here is Coach talking more about his players and his possession room and how the Dolphins can get more pass rush this season with the players they have on the current roster.
1: I would say I think we have some great players across the board. And I would say pass rush is a collaborative deal um, in terms of the different guys and combinations and who they're going against and what they do best. And I think as a defensive staff, um, we're we're doing a great job of finding out what those guys are and what they do well. Um, Again, it's only been three days, but uh, it's been great so far. Um, You know, with with Lawson, Ogwin, there's so many different guys that can do it. So um, we'll see where we're at here in three or four weeks.
2: A little bit of a hidden nugget in there talking about the collaboration of the pass rush. It's all about opportunity and matchup, right? We're going to hear about that on this defense, on this team for a long time to come. But we know there are different ways to get after the quarterback. That's not just one guy lining up and beating his man across from him like maybe Cam Wake used to do back in his heyday here in Miami. But now you have multiple guys that can really commit to a rush-contained scheme and guys that can do things from a stunt, slant, and twist, and blitz, and different types of things and games up front on the defensive line to create that pressure and to create that pass rush from multiple guys on the system. That's why you heard him talk about Van Noy, Lawson, Ogba, all these guys that add different elements to your defense. It's always going to be beneficial when you have multiple guys that can do things within the scheme to help get pressure on the quarterback. Up next, defensive line coach Marion Hobby met with the South Florida media, and first he was asked, of course, about his former Clemson protege and now under him in Miami, Shaq Lawson.
0: Well, you know, starting off with Shaq Lawson, you know, you kind of have a a good history with him, and you kind of know where he's from, what he's about, you know, and we were looking for those smart, tough players, you know, that love football and, you know, and team first attitudes, and he fits it. You know, it's it's something that he's uh, been been a leader all his career. You know, even in college, going into pros with his energy level, I thought he would be a really
6: good fit for us.
2: One thing you'll hear Coach talk a lot about is both heavy hands and players being conscientious of their roles and kind of that idea of being more of a read and react type of player opposed to just shooting upfield, getting in the gap. Here's Coach talking about how Emmanuel Ogba and Raquan Davis both excel in those areas.
0: Watching, you know, um, football on Raquan Davis, even when he was a young player at Alabama, you know, and... Um, Seeing him mature, you know, each year coming in, you know, and getting a chance to visit with him at the Combine. I thought he did a great job in the interview. Um, you know, Raekwon is, is, is different athletically, but he's really more conscientious football player. Um, you know, football is important to him. Um, his family is important to him. You know, and just getting to know those things about him after visiting with him at the Combine, um, you know, just gave us a good encouragement about that guy. You know, and uh, Ogbuck, you know, he's just been a pleasure to work with. You know, it's, um, you know, just visiting with him early. You know, didn't know uh, didn't know him before that hand. But, you know, just evaluating him off tape, asking other coaches about him, his work ethics, you know, uh, his smarts and all of that. And he's proven to be exactly what they're saying. You know, he's very conscientious. He, he likes the game. You know, he's got a good football IQ. He's smart. Man, he'll work.
2: And just as an outside linebacker's coach is concerned with getting pressure on the quarterback, of course, a defensive line coach will be asked the same thing. Here's Coach Hobby talking about the collaboration of the team coming together to create collective pressure on the quarterback from this defensive line and this pass rush here in Miami.
0: I think I think you hit it perfect, playing as a unit. You know, one guy gets a great rush and the other guy is not in the right position. You know... <laughs> This guy gets a great rush, and it's, it seems where we didn't really play together. You know, you usually have four-man rushes. Everybody has a rush lane. Everybody has a responsibility. And I think if we can improve there, you know, where everybody's counting on the next man to him to do his job and produce and you know, I think that's the, really could be a, one of the things we can do is play together is big time.
2: And to finish up here with coach hobby, a question back about Christian Wilkins and the comment that he made about his professionalism and staying in shape there. You heard him talk about that in the previous answer. He had a follow-up question here where he talked more about Christian Wilkins, who just loves, loves some football.
0: Well, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, um, everybody know anything about Christian Wilkins. He loves football now. He's a, he's a football guy. And, uh, you know, the critique in him, um, telling him where he, showing him where he could be better. You know, um, sometimes that's, as coach, can be critique or that can be coming down on him. But I think it has a lot to do with him. You know, him wanting to do well and get better um, as a player. And that's where it starts, man. They got to be self-motivators. And then as as coaches, man, we just continue to build on what they bring to the table. But um, I, I think he matured as it went on. I think he had a lot of things going on early. You know, and he he's going to try to do them all in the community. He's going to try to do them all anyway, <laughs> any way he can. I just think he had a lot on his plate early. And I um, talked with him about it, and he said, yeah, Coach, I had a lot going on, but now I'm settling into my to my role.
2: And so there is Coach Hobby. You have now heard from the offensive and defensive coordinator, obviously the head coach and Brian Flores, each of the offensive and defensive assistants. Let's go ahead and finish it up here with special teams coordinator Danny Crossman. I had the pleasure of getting the first question, asking him about core special teamers and how they help identify those guys on this roster. Hey, good morning, Coach. Good to see you. Um, wanted to talk about something Coach Flores talks about and the importance of the kicking game, obviously. And this offseason had several acquisitions of guys that both have return ability and core special teams experience with other clubs. My question to you, Coach, is what do you personally look for when trying to reveal which guys can be core special teamers?
6: Well, I think it. It all starts first and foremost with getting our kinds of guys, you know, smart, tough team first and then having the athleticism to be a multi-faceted player. Everybody talks about the core teams and the four and the four faces. But the more guys that we have that can play multiple spots on those four faces are the guys that really end up being your core guys. Now, you like to isolate them, but the more they can do, the better off you're going to be.
2: So you kind of get an answer there to a previous statement from Brian Flores about the importance of the kicking game and how you do want guys that can contribute in all four facets of the special teams game. Finding those core special teamers is the same as finding guys on defense or offense that can do multiple things. Again, the same theme follows up true here on this Dolphins football team. Up next, Coach was asked a follow-up question about trying to find those core special teamers and guys they brought in that might fit that role for the upcoming season.
6: Well, I I think when you look at some of the guys that that we added, you know, the Kayvon Frazier's, the Clayton, the the Camu, I mean, we've added some guys that, you know, when you look at their history and their experience and what they put on tape in the National Football League, not to compare them to what Walt did, but a similar guy, a veteran leadership, has made plays, has made big plays in in several different phases. So, uh, like always in this league, you're going to – to get some, you're going to lose some. That's just how it's always going to work. So uh, we feel good about the guys that we've added, and uh, you know, and how it's building from a leadership standpoint.
2: And as just about every coach did, have a question about this. Coach Crossman was asked about his impression of Coach Flores and what he learned about coaching under Brian Flores last season in 2019.
6: To watch how he handled uh, the good, the bad, the ugly uh, throughout the season, he was the same guy. And I think as a player and as a coach when you know what you're what you're getting on a daily basis and, and, and where that person's coming from and their values and what they're teaching, I think it's invaluable, you know, because no matter what what happens, when you walk in the building, you know what you're going to get from a leadership standpoint. Uh, so for me personally, I think for the rest of the team, uh, to know where Flo stands on what he's going to demand, what he's going to need, and if you're not on board with that, it's, it's going to be a long day. But if you are on board with that, it's going to be a fun a fun rebuild for where we're trying to get to
2: next coach was asked about how they identify players that maybe would have made more of an impression with preseason games, kind of flashing on special teams. Here's coach talking about how practice really is where you can control the ultimate environment and find guys in their practice habits, their study habits in the film room, all that good stuff. Coach talking about identifying which players are going to fit on special teams and other ways besides preseason games.
6: Well, I, I don't think it's that. I think more times than not, a lot of times what happens is a lot of those things you see that, that guys do uh, in a preseason game, uh, a lot of those traits and a lot of those things you, you may see in that game in that particular play or those type of plays, you see a lot of the buildup in that in practice. So, you know, as a coach, a lot of those things, they don't surprise you when that guy does that in the preseason game because you've seen evidence of it in drills uh, in group work in teamwork on the field. So um, we'll work. We have a, you know, we have a great plan for, for how we're going to work and how we're going to get things done. I think to your point of making sure you have the situations and certain drills that put guys in positions that maybe you're not going to get,